Jesus. That, that as we are clothed in Jesus, that we, like Him, are the beloved. The, the beloved of the Father. That, that we, as we are clothed in Jesus, we, like Him, are anointed. Anointed for a particular task and, and purpose. It's a couple of weeks ago that we were reminded that, that Jesus is like a net. And we are made fishermen and fisherwomen as we enter into the world, casting the net of Jesus' love wherever we go because of His living in us. And, and last week, we, we explored in Jesus the common language of what we measure. For it's what we measure that we truly value. That's what we truly pursue. And as, as Jesus followers, in, in this language, in our common language of Jesus, what we measure is how we forgive those that hurt us how we give to those that can't give anything back in return, and how we pursue righteousness when we look in the mirror, looking at ourselves. And today, our, the word for the day is commander. And we'll, we'll see how, how Jesus is the, the commander in a couple, two particular ways. As we enter into Luke uh, chapter 8, starting with verse 22, two different events, but they're connected with one another. And I really encourage you as we read this passage that uh, let your imagination put yourself in these events. Picture them so that... As we've said along, as we look at these events that are given in the text, we we want to get into the text so that the text gets into us. So I encourage you uh, to do that as we explore uh, this story of seeing Jesus as a commander. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. And we ask that you will speak to us in the power of your spirit. That you will um, not let us just hear your word and be a fool. But that we would hear and do your word and be wise. We need your spirit to lead us, to guide us, to teach us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 22, it's found on page 841 in your pew Bible, or it's, uh, it'll be on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. One day, he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out. And while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, 
Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine were feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who'd seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's two ways here that Jesus is the commander. One, we see it rather clearly. It's the dramatic part of the passage that Jesus is the commander of every power in the galaxy. Wind and waves. He he simply is awoken from his sleep. Looks at the winds and the waves of the boat is sinking in the midst of all the chaos of the disciples and says, be quiet. Not only did the disciples hear and obey, but the wind hears and obeys. Earth shattering for the disciples. And it's sort of funny that way. They got exactly what they wanted and they were more scared after they got it than before. The, the nature of the power of the commander is that great. It is beyond our ability to comprehend that when we get a t- taste of it, our response is not peace but fear. Then as they made it to the other side, they encounter a a, a concentration, a personification of evil, the work of the, the devil in a particular human being and the demons that are around it that are beyond 
our ability to touch and understand beyond the ability of the community around this man to be able to, to keep him under wraps. We're told that they, they tried to bind him up, tried to tie him up, chain him up, and he broke loose because of the, the work of evil within him. And so he lived in the graveyard, in the tombs, the only place that the people could handle him being in their midst. And Jesus arrives on the other side and in the face of the power of such evil that the whole community couldn't control. We're told that the demons that controlled the man begged Jesus, don't order us into the abyss. They knew he was the commander. That's... That is the the power and authority that Jesus has over all power and authority even combined in this world. There is no power greater than His. There is no sum of powers greater than the power of the commander who can command the winds and the waves and the, the devil himself. Jesus is the commander of all powers. Jesus is the commander with authority over his followers. And because of his power, because he is the commander, he at times will sit on the shore of the lake and he will come up to us and say, hey, let's get in the boat and go on the other side. Dangerous words when Jesus says that to us. I, I want to get in your boat and I want to go to the other side. And we, as his followers, get in the boat. And that boat isn't a nice cocktail cruise. It isn't a nice just little sail in the wind of the day. It doesn't just go out, enjoy the sun, and come back to port. As we see in these events, as Jesus comes up to each of us and says, Hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. If we knew what was coming, we'd say, Ah, let's go tomorrow. And we enter into the sea, and a storm will come up. We enter into the sea and a storm will come up that we will go through. And then once we get through the storm, even worse evils on the other side. And that's where the commander leads his troops into the midst of evil. Into the midst of danger. Into the midst of fear. Into the midst of trouble. He leads us into it. Because he's such a great commander. Right? Isn't that what we just sang in the, the, the song, that, the, in the, that great hymn? A mighty fortress is our God. But he's a, he's a fortress on wheels. He doesn't just stay where he is. He leads his people into the earthly powers that he is here to overcome. He leads the charge 
Unlike any other commander. I mean, don't you think when your commander says, let's get in the boat and go on the other side, don't you sort of envision the commander with the flag in his hand standing at the bow, at the front, you know, onward. And yet this commander was sleeping while they were moving into the storm. Because he knows his power. He knows the authority that he goes forward He knows the authority in which He enters the evil of the world, in which He enters the mess and the work of the devil himself. He goes in the authority like no no other, so that He commands, and as our commander, He leads us into the midst of the storms and the evil around us. That's why... That's why we say whenever at every funeral, it seems, we quote the 23rd Psalm. And, and what does it say? Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Friends, we've got a commander that is greater than all authority and power that commands the winds and the waves. So, yes, that is true. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we fear no evil as we are following Him. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is living in fear. I'm reminded of that great quote in the Chronicles of Narnia by Mr. Beaver. If you've seen the movie or read the book, Susan, I think it was Susan that asked when she found out that the king was a lion, said, whoa, a lion? Is he safe? To which Mr. Beaver said, of course not. He's not safe, but he's good. If you want a safe commander that will keep us safe and secure in the fortress on our side of the lake, you got the wrong commander. This commander is a fortress on wheels that enters into the pain and the mess and the struggle and the challenge and the fear of life in order to demonstrate his power. And we are His hands and His feet. We are His body that He leads into the charge. I mean, we see the stories throughout the Scriptures, right? I mean, think about Moses. Where did He take Moses? Didn't let him get to the position of power and then let him enjoy it? No. Moses went straight into the face of Pharaoh, the greatest power known to man at the day. To let my people go. The same happened with Esther, who for just a time as this had been put right in as first lady for the king, and, and there found out this horrible plan to destroy God's people. And she had to, in fear and trepidation, led by God, go before the king. Nehemiah, the same way, just a cupbearer to the king. And yet he heard of the destruction in Jerusalem. And so he risked his life in order to rebuild Jerusalem to get the king's approval. 
It's throughout the Scriptures and throughout the history of the church. I did a little study just to look back at the, you know, what one of the world's worst disasters, the bubonic plague. You know, suppose, they, they say a third, 33 to 25% of, of Europe died because of that plague. I mean, imagine the chaos. You know, just you know, put yourself back on the boat in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the lake, with hurricane winds coming through, you know, and the, the water, they're about to drown out there. Well, now, just put that on steroids and imagine the chaos that would have been going on in the world during such a, a, a debilitating disease that killed one out of every four people. And I wanted to see, gosh, you know, what did the church do? What did, what did the church of Jesus Christ, did they follow their commander into the midst of such obvious evil and death? Yeah, it's a mixed bag. There were some small groups of people that, that ventured in. There were monasteries that opened their doors, that welcomed the sick. And the, the, the monks, they, they entered into the communities and cared for the for those that were sick, at the expense of their own lives, the risk of their own lives. And then there were other monasteries that closed their door, locked them up, and told the people outside the walls, if, you'd, if you still want to give to the church, then throw your money over the walls. But they were facing real fear and trouble. I mean, death itself was all around. We see it today even. Just, just today, we have, we from this local congregation, from this grain of sand on the beach of the church of Jesus Christ around the world, we, we, we know and support folks that serve in North Korea, serve in Jordan, in Turkey, in northern Iraq. But I can't say their name right now because this part of the service gets recorded and gets put on the internet. And our fear is if we put the name and the country together, then somebody would hear that and then would persecute, somehow undermine, get them thrown out of the country. But they are there working in those places because they are their commander who has the power over all authority of the earth, has said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. You know, it's a, this passage is a, a good balance to that phrase that has some truth in it. You know, bloom where you're planted. You know that phrase, you know, bloom where you're planted. It's a good phrase. It has good truth to it. But it's not an absolute truth. Because there are sometimes, because our natural, my natural tendency is to get planted in the safest spot with the most sunshine and the best access to water. I imagine some of you might have the same tendency. And there are some times that Jesus says, you know what, you're planted in the wrong place. And it's time to get in the boat and go to the other side. And let's go get planted there for a little while. 
had a, a little bit of that recently. In, well, it's been the last nine months or so. And it's been it's being a part of the ministerium of, of College Hill. And it was last March, last April, when a police officer came to the ministerium meeting, which is a collection of all the ministers throughout College Hill. Father George and Dan Wine Geisy and Reverend King and Bishop Todd O'Neill and um, Jeanette Chagog at uh, Chappie and, and I go and, and other folks. And the police officer was saying, you know, there, there are some real issues in the College Hill neighborhood that have been evidenced by threats, graffiti, placards, up and down uh, the avenue. And it, it demonstrates a, 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 an, an added element of division or a division that someone's trying to cause or that someone's really trying to incite What can we do about it? Well, you know, it's, it's one thing to have what we call building bridges gatherings with church people in College Hill. And we did that. We had some of you participated where we got folks from the different churches, you know, different denominations, different ethnic churches and brought them all together, had a meal together and then just talked about our differences and enjoyed one another. I mean, in that setting, I'm easily a, a, a confident commander. Because I can tell people, listen, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, well then get over it, get together and love each other. You don't have an option. Forgive one another. It's clear, if you claim to be a follower, in that setting, it's easy. But you know, you get outside that setting, that's getting to the other side for me. I mean, you're talking about folks that don't have those same common values, don't have that same faith, but just the sort of the common good of the neighborhood. And on top of that, you're talking about a lot of small business owners. I don't know the people that are, shall we say, more persistent or stubborn or forthright. I mean, you don't go into owning your own business unless you know what you're supposed to do and you go do it. So it took about nine months for us to finally have our first little gathering yesterday. And I think I was more anxious for that than I was this morning. Just to know, how is this going to work out? I'm still here. We survived. Some, some of you were there. You survived. And I think we actually took a good first step. But it was a good example of the way that Jesus was telling me, let's get in the boat, let's go on the other side. To the place you're not as comfortable. To the place that you don't know, don't even think you know the answers. And who knows how long this journey will be as we pursue being a community together for the common good. Seeking the peace of Hamilton Avenue. Now, I wonder for you, I wonder for you, any of you sitting on the shore, any of you standing on the shore and Jesus is coming up to you, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. 
Some of you are doing it. You're, you're in the boat and it's a storm and you're waiting for Jesus to calm the storm. You're, you're, you're doing it like, like in our hot off the press today. You're, you're trying to, to you're, you're a teacher and you've got students. You're trying to enter into their lives. Some of their lives are a mess. Or you're a tutor. You're a mentor. And you're, you're going to the other side, a place that you're not comfortable and not sure Or through a number of other ministries, we're going to hear one today of going to the other side from sunlight power in the Congo. Maybe it's time just to go to the other side of the boardroom or the workplace or the street or the neighborhood. Or the other side of the cafeteria. You know, where it's uncomfortable. But where there are, where Jesus is, is leading you. And where there are people in need, in trouble. I mean, if indeed we are followers of Jesus. And He came to seek and to save the lost. Then that means as He is on that journey. That we will be on that journey with Him. How is he inviting you to to get in the boat? Let's go to the other side. For some of you, it's clear. It's obvious. He's just laid it right on you right now. For others, it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's just a time of asking the question. Being open to listen. To where he would lead you. And where he continues to lead us. Whether it's to northern Iraq... Pleasant Hill Academy, College Hill Fundamental, or Hamilton Avenue. Jesus is a commander. He is a commander with authority over the winds and the waves and the devil itself. And He is a commander who commands and leads us to enter in to the mess, to the brokenness, the lostness of our world in faith because He leads us and because we know He is in command. Amen.